Thank you. Now, I was privy to your um, your preaching on Sunday, which was great. And then once you started talking, I started, my, my head started firing up and going, oh my God, this is amazing. And then, um, yeah, so I thought I would get you, have a conversation with you. Now I have given you some questions. As you have, review, yep. But um, this may go anywhere. Yeah. So, um, so I want to start, though, a little bit left field. Why did you pick manhood and masculinity? So the, we're in a series on seasons which has to do with different stages of life yeah. and um, masculinity and Christianity has been something that's been on my mind for many years actually yeah. um, not something I've explored terribly in depth um, yeah. read a few books when I was a younger dad and I thought these are, these are great but being in a smaller church and you know uh, it was a little bit difficult to implement anything in, in the way I was thinking sort of as a community. And so when this came along, I, I felt, I guess, you know, led to preach on the topic, but yeah. that really sat in me quite strongly. Um, so that, that was sort of, I guess, the internal reasons, but just seeing in our society particularly how masculinity is really being, um, you know, despised, is that too strong a word? Um, and in, in some ways, you know, I said in my sermon that um, when you look at the sort of a, a cultural critique of different sections of society, yeah. um, white men are considered the most privileged and therefore the least worthy of pretty much anything when yeah. you look at some of those critiques. So, um, and so I think men are uh, sort of can feel very robbed of their identity. Yeah. And so I really wanted to address that and just encourage men that in Christ, actually, that's where our identity is. And, um, you know, to rise up in that. <clears throat> yeah, I enjoyed that. Um, there's a couple of quotes that I'll come back to, but um, one of them, you said, it's the child who fathers the men. And right. I want to ask you about, about your own <laughs> yeah. um, your own story growing up and your, I suppose, your really your background with, mm -hmm. with masculinity and okay. fatherhood for yourself? Yeah, so my, my story is in some ways a little bit unusual, I guess. So my parents became Christians when I was seven or eight. So yeah. I was baptised when I was eight years old, soon after the family um, started going to church. Um, and but my dad was an agricultural pilot so he was away from home quite a lot so crop spraying and stuff like that wow yeah. agricultural pi pilot. pilot yeah what so, does that even mean <laughs> well so he used to spread fertilizer uh, or herbicide by from the air basically yeah, yeah so it's not economical anymore but but back then it was but that meant he was so we lived in bunbury yeah. And that meant he was out in the country for, you know, um, a week at a time or more. So, you know, the, the typical dad worked away. Yeah. Um, so I guess grow until I was probably 13, maybe a little younger, felt like dad was fairly absent. I mean, he loved us yeah. and he was a good role model when he was home. But, yeah. you know, he was just away a lot. Plus, I have a brother who's intellectually disabled. Mm. So... Um, 
one sort of my my middle brother next down from me Mm. and he needed intensive therapy which was done from home so that really dominated a lot of our family life as well I don't resent that at all but the reality is that that was a a big part of my memories of childhood Um, and uh, but it was an era when you know I didn't live far from the beach so i I don't know, at eight or nine or something, going down to the beach by myself and that sort of thing. Something you wouldn't even contemplate yeah, now. Wow. Um, but, yeah, that's the, sort of, <laughs> that's the sort of thing you did back then. Oh, no one thought twice about it. Wow. <clears throat> and, and so in, in Bunbury, you said? Yeah. Wow. That's three hours down the road. <laughs> Um, what was your relationship like with your dad from what you can remember yeah so it was good Um, I have good memories of my dad I really uh, am thankful to him for my Christian heritage but I don't remember it being particularly close um, until uh, we dad mum and dad became missionaries up in New Guinea with MAF so missionary aviation fellowship dad was a missionary pilot uh, spent two years up there with them, and uh, Dad was a home, home a whole lot more. <laughs> so um, you know, so probably got a little bit. But then I went away to boarding school for my last two years of school. So um, lived at home um, when I was older. So we moved back to Australia, and um, I was home again. Saw more of Dad then, but sort of as an adult. Um, so, you know, I feel a little bit like, um, you know, for different reasons. Some of it's my personality. Some of it was just, it's, it's no one's fault. I don't blame him for that, certainly. Mm. But um, missing some of that role modelling. And I don't want to overstate that. It's not like he was never home or anything. Um, mm. But, yeah. Yeah, yeah. no. Yeah. Gee, that would have been a, an interesting transition going from as a child and then seeing him as an adult. Did anything yeah. change? Well, I mean, you know, the relationship always changes when you, when, you know, suddenly you don't have to do what you're told apart from (laughs) respecting the house rules because, you know, um, yeah, uh, yeah. Hmm. Great. Um, so you're a scholar as well. Well, some say (laughs) (laughs) I I wouldn't call myself a scholar at all, but I, I have students of the word. Yeah. And I have lectured. Yeah. Um, what what I'd like to know is sort of your point of view on how masculinity has been portrayed in the Bible, and if you can, maybe uh, I don't know if you, if you if you get time, but just a brief sort of synopsis of masculinity and sort of its history in the Bible and how you sort of mm, see it. Oh, it's really interesting, isn't it? Yeah. As I think, I think of some of the really um, role models for masculinity. And I, in my sermon, I mentioned Adam. Yeah, you did. And, um, you know, so we blame Eve for eating the fruit. <laughs> but Adam's there. He's right and, there. you know, so where's Adam? Well, Eve's having this, mm. Eve's having this conversation yeah. with the snake. Yeah. What's Adam doing? You know, how does, it, right. how does it get that far, you know? Mm. And I think, um, you know, that's been, certainly I look at, um, yeah, my own, it's probably a personality thing there, but you know, a lot of guys, I think, as, as I look at the world, a lot of guys are very passive, very, yeah. um, uh, you know, don't, don't want trouble, whatever. And, uh, you know, so very often we can be too passive and not, 
not have that protector sort of role that you know as Mm. Like or not, we're bigger, we're stronger, you know, Physically, guys tend yeah. to be more aggressive. Absolutely. There's a lot more guys are in prison than girls, that sort of yeah, thing. Yeah. You know, so whatever else you want to say uh, about masculinity and fem- femininity, that is the reality and we don't use that enough yeah. as protectors in society. Um, then I, you know, I look at people like David who... Uh, yeah, I th- I feel like David is one of the sort of uh, the the positive role models in that. Although he's broken, you know, he's the warrior, he's yeah. the poet, he's yeah. the lover. Although where he's predicted, you know, <laughs> the whole Bathsheba thing that becomes the broken part. Yeah. Um, you know, he loves his kid, but he does a, a terrible job of raising his kids. Yeah. You know, yeah. so masculinity broken there again. Yeah. Um, I, I guess you you come to Jesus. Um, of course, which is our ultimate model of masculinity. Yeah. Um, but, you know, when you talk about masculinity, there's sort of sometimes talked about three archetypes of, of the masculine, the the sort of warrior, yeah. um, the academic, and then the artist. Um, and I guess when we look at Jesus, and would you agree, I think, that he probably comes along a bit more of the academic although you know obviously very caring the very nurturer caring, yeah. as well in the yeah. you know the pastor but um um yeah so yeah there's facets to him um, mm. definitely came across as a lot more academic and and artistry mm-hmm. um a lot of the artistry because he painted a lot of pictures with his words i know that's true the parables and <laughs> yeah that, that's yeah. true yeah, yeah, yeah so yeah. i guess you know yeah the poet yeah. Although not that he engages in poetry, <laughs> at least as recorded. Yeah. One of the preachers that I heard said that if he, if Jesus lived today, he'd be a filmmaker. I don't yeah. know what. <laughs> take that with a grain of salt, though. Yeah. yeah, even in announcing his ministry, he, he forgot, he, well, he didn't forget, he missed purposely the last part of the judgment day of the Lord, right. which was to come with all of yeah. them. So I think maybe the warrior was still waiting on that. Yeah, that's well, that's <laughs> Revelation, isn't it? We see the warrior uh, yeah. revealed in Revelation. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah. Um, which would you say, and this is an off-field question because I didn't ask you this one, which would you say is probably the the best example in the Bible that you've seen of um, fatherhood portrayed in a human? Fatherhood portrayed in a human. Wow. And I Jesus mean, can't be the answer. This one, yeah, because <laughs> he came as a son. So you know, we've mentioned David really messed it up. I can't imagine Solomon was a good dad. <laughs> he no. had too many wives. No. Um, yeah. You know, you look at Jacob. You know, favors Joseph. Although I imagine Joseph probably would have said Jacob was a good dad. Um, yeah. Good examples of fatherhood in the Bible. Yeah. I, I, I find I'm hard pressed to think of anyone I'd really hold up as a role model. <laughs> Honestly? You know, for father as an example of fatherhood to follow. Yeah. I even uh, well what, you know, who who are the dads <laughs> in the Bible? Moses yeah. sort of leaves his kids with you know yeah, with his, um, with stepdad. his stepdad or his stay father-in-law, and um, Abraham just about sacrifices Isaac on the <laughs> altar. 
<laughs> sends, sends his 13-year-old Ishmael away. Mm. Um, yeah, it's all going well, isn't it? Yeah, you <laughs> know, well, they, fatherhood seems to be very broken in the Bible. Yeah. Gee. Yeah, I can't think of any good ones myself. So. <laughs> no wonder we're screwed up. <laughs> um, you mentioned David uh, as well as one of those guys who you know, embodies quite a lot of the masculinity yeah. that we think about in, in the church circles. And it's been said that he might not have had a good relationship with his dad. Right. Um, some say that he probably would wouldn't have had the same mother as his um at his as his brothers. Yeah, that's quite possible. Because, yeah. because of his hair, um, also the job he was doing. Um now for him to go from a place again this is left field because I want to keep you on your toes. <laughs> for him to go from a place of what probably you'd call rejection, um, and to then grow into a man who would lead a whole nation pretty much as a father of that nation mm. and lead them to God and there was no one else like him mm. Um, mm. after him God always took him as the standard of yeah. masculinity of what a man should be like yeah. um, and really the core of that what, and do you have any sort of comments to that and, and seeing his background and the transformation um, do you have any comments to that when you think about well, he had an evident faith. I mean, you know, you see that with Goliath, um, you know, so for, right from almost when we meet David, it's, um, you know, the, the, the first bit of action, it's like, well, he's trusting God. Mm. So um, mm. he sees uh, his life, which was pretty non He's a shepherd, so it's nondescript up to that point, but he yeah. sees that as training rather than being bitter about it. Um, and so he just has this unshakable faith in God that leads him to defeat Goliath. Yeah. Um, so I, I think, uh, you know, that when you look at the Psalms, David was almost brutally, well, not almost, he, he seems to have been brutally honest Very. about himself. Yeah. So you read the Psalms and, you know, you read about his, what we'd call depression today. Yeah. Um, but he's always got his eyes on God right through that. Um, but I think the other thing is he has a support group around him so he has the anointing of uh, Samuel yeah. so he's obviously got a very strong identity right from the start yeah. that God has imparted there because he's anointed by the prophet yeah. but then he gathers this group around him so he's a strong leader but you know a leader has to have people around him or else he's just solo he's a hermit you know yeah so um he's not self-reliant in you know in in that sense either so there's a humility in him i think yeah yeah um, absolutely. yeah yeah that's awesome so, yeah like what you say so he um i'm just trying to recap that he he starts with faith and trust yeah. in god so his intent is very strongly formed in God and he has a support system yeah, as well yeah. to keep him going. I guess I, I went there because um, one of the questions that I sent you um, out was in the fact the fact that you highlighted in your in your sermon the importance of engaging with the conversation as men around this topic. Mm. And sometimes there is that stigma as well that um, it's only those who've had good fathers and father um, father figures, I suppose, um, in their lives that 
can actually aspire and become good men um, in society, pillars of society. But we see David breaking that trend. Mm. Uh, we see Jesus breaking that trend as well because he he was he would have felt quite disconnected from not having an earthly father. And I don't think a lot of people talk about that a lot. Um, well, there's there's a thought too that his you know his uh, I guess adopted father Joseph died quite young, quite possibly. He sort yeah, of well. seems to. Well, he's not in the picture by the time Jesus is no, an adult, you not, know. So yeah. somewhere along the line, he's he's lost. Um, presumably, Joseph, you know, raised him as a loving stepfather. We don't. I mean, the Bible says he was a righteous man. So, mm. um, but yeah, he he seems to drop out Still of the picture. Absence, mm. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, so what do you say to that? Because one of the things that you talked about as well is the. Um, just passivity that yeah. has sort of gone through generations of men uh, and I mean I see it in myself and today it, it seeps through a little bit of society where we now even in marriages you know at the at the wedding there we'll joke around happy wife happy life so yeah. you shut up and she's the boss yeah yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> well you know there's a, there's a grain of truth to that because I see you know when Paul talks about uh, the husband loving his wife um, which in in that culture was really radical. Um, yeah. You know, we just we just don't really realise how radical a statement that is in a Roman sort of world, or or you know, first century Jewish either actually. Yeah. Um, that you know, we I see it's like you know, God gives us strength not so we can give glory to ourselves but so we can raise up others yeah. lift them up and i see that as you know part of the husband's role with the wife is to to lift her and lift his children up you yeah. know because he's got the strength he you know um a, a man who is secure in his own identity and in christ doesn't need to prove himself mm-hmm. you know so yeah, you can point. you can be about sort of proving other people if you like um this is the way i see it mm. um but I think it does begin with having our identity in in Christ. So one of the things about David, you know, we see in the Psalms, he seems to be incredibly self-aware. Yes, right. um, And a lot of guys just don't go there. We're not very good with emotions, mm. um, particularly in Australia. I don't know if it's the same elsewhere. Um, and, you know, it's, it's hard work. And if we do have broken backgrounds, there's a lot of pain there that we have to... De- you know, we've got to wade through and work through before we can get to a place of healing and health and wholeness mm-hmm. um, so that we can really rise up, I think. Um, and, you know, I really think as, as Christian men, we really have a leg up in that because we've got the Holy Spirit. Yeah. Um, so, um, yeah. But men can really struggle with a lot of shame and, and you know... Um, we want to save faith. We want to be respected, and you know, so weakness is the opposite of is that. The opposite of that. Yeah. Um, yeah. Or perceived weakness and, and humility, and so on, uh, which Jesus speaks to in the Sermon on the Mount, and, mm. and and those sorts of things. Um, so I think it is owning up to that. I think it's you know, um, getting in touch with our feelings sounds very feminine, but actually, <laughs> you know, it's not really. When when you look at a David or or someone like that. Um, you know, and, and so a lot of the heroes, I mean, you know, look, I can't think of any specific examples, but um, you look at iconic characters and they're often lovers, you know, so they're, they're, they're they, you know, um, 
Mm. You know, so there there is that side to them, and maybe it's them portrayed as trying to get the girl, and you know, <laughs> rather than something honourable. But you know, it's there nonetheless. Yeah. Um, so I think you know, even if we come from a background of bro- brokenness or you know failure or whatever, it doesn't that we don't have to stay there. I mean, it's a story of of Christianity is mm. about redemption. That's yeah. what Jesus came for. So Absolutely. everything can be redeemed, and God will use that brokenness. Mm. Um, you know, not just not just fix it. Although he'll do that, he'll use it um, mm. to. Um, yeah, well, yeah, yeah, yeah. Great. I'm uh, I'm aware that uh, I saw now today in society. I saw the this real left field sort of documentary um, where it highlights the fact that it's a lot easier for us to, I think you were part of that conversation, it's a lot easier for us to accept masses of losses when it comes to things like war with men, um, but at the same time in in, in conversation and, and in um, and how things just sort of turn out, it, it also does seem like there is that expectation on men to lay down their lives yeah. uh, and to lay down their lives for a good cause. So personally, how do you balance that responsibility of um, of not accepting, I suppose, the label that you talked about of being looked at as the bottom mm. of the bottom, <laughs> but rather embracing the responsibility that comes with being a man? How do you balance that? Yeah, how, oh, how do we balance that? I think it's what voices do we listen to. So a lot of that conversation happens online, of course. Um, and a lot of it happens in academia and on the media. Yeah. And so there's a lot of sort of social pressure this is the way I'm reading it and I might be completely wrong but the way I'm reading it is there's a lot of that social pressure there um, and you're, you're seeing it publicly where men really are silenced yeah. like sometimes physically for speaking something that's a, you know against a sort of feminist agenda or um, cultural Marxism or whatever but um, I think it's got one of the things personally I'm, I'm learning is just not to listen to it, not to tune into that. It's, you need to be aware. I think if you're going to engage it, you need to be aware that it's there. Yeah. But um, um, to, uh, I guess what we need to listen to first and foremost again is is Christ. Yeah. Um, so what's the word say? You know, so this is, as I was preparing and, and preaching on Sunday is, really wanting what's what's the bible say about this what's jesus say yeah about this yeah. um because the fact is the world hates us as christians anyway mm-hmm. you know um so it doesn't really matter we let let's just rise up and and yeah. and you know enjoy uh enjoy that that strength that that masculinity that god's given us because mm-hmm. you know um if we're secure in that it doesn't really matter you, you know if That's right, we yeah. don't care what um um, you know, people might think or say or whatever. Yeah. We just don't need to. As long as we're proceeding in love, though, you know, we're, again, we're harnessing that strength. We're using that strength to serve yeah. and and to bring life, not death. Mm. Um, so, yeah. yeah. That, that seems really intentional because I think um, I remember one of the things as well that you said is you don't watch free TV anymore. You just watch TV that you can 
control oh yeah so i mean yeah we we just and the part of that's practical but no we just don't i don't have interest in free tv so we watch netflix but yeah i mean i've I've had to you know start watching a series and i'm like i've had to turn off Hmm. you know because i'm like yeah it's usually nudity and that sort of stuff or worse um and i'm like so i've been feeling challenged on that because it's it's really easy just to to gloss over that and you know um yeah. But, you know, for me, that's... And, I look, I'm not saying I'm perfect in my choices about what I watch, but, um, you know, I do try to be conscious of it. Yeah, well... Um, um, as a dad, um, what are your hopes and dreams for your son? And um, are there young men who would look up to you mm. as a man and a father? So, my son's not a Christian, so mm. that would be my first hope that he does um, return to faith. Yeah. Um, because I think ultimately that's where the truth lies. Is you know, so it's um, for me, faith isn't just about a nebulous belief. It's about truth. It's about reality. Yeah. Um, and so, if we're not connected to that reality, then we're, we're not. You know, we're mm. we're, we're cast adrift. Um, we can't be truly who we are unless we're grounded in in reality. Um, so I think um, knowing knowing God as Father first and foremost. Yeah. Um, I. Th- um, wanting them. I think wanting to to see young men grow into people who can contribute and and raise up others, um, not just be you know I mean things like yeah be successful be happy that sort of thing, but people who are secure enough in their identity in Christ to be able to be ser- strong servants yeah. you know yeah um, again to use that strength to. Um, to build others to build others to be self-controlled to yeah. be to be a man you know to take res- to take responsibility yeah. is, is one right. of the things yeah. you know it's that whole Adam didn't take responsibility for Eve you know we need mm. to and there's always this balancing because for some some people and I, I just I ran out of time on Sunday but I wanted to talk about you know we can flip over into authoritarianism sometimes okay. so you know you, you get the man who um, who might you know, it can slip into abuse, yeah. um, and you know that's never okay. But for me, um, giving people agency, um, you know, they they not trying to control people, trying to empower people, yeah. and help them make good decisions. But ultimately, you got to respect the decisions they make. Yeah. But as a man, you know, whatever resources I have, using to help them grow mm. into the person mm. they are. Um, in in you know whatever way yeah, that means yeah um, and so if other people you know so for me if I can help other people do that because that's what parenthood's about yeah. you know um, and if anyone's in leadership if they're leading well that's what leadership is about yeah. you know yeah. so uh, we need men who who do that in the family in the workplace in church in yeah. you know wherever yeah. yeah one one of the things as well that inspired me coming off that conversation is that. Um, even though you shared on Sunday about the fact that you're you're learning as a parent, um, but about your wish for your son to become 
um, to to follow God and, yeah. and to give his life to Jesus. So, um, what one of the things that I notice, and I think this is part of I don't know maybe uh, male nature, is that if ever you're in a spot where you're influencing someone, uh, and I've seen this in myself, and they make decision decisions that are not um, agreeing with your beliefs mm. or maybe even agreeing with biblical beliefs um, the tendency at least I've seen in myself is to withdraw from yeah. that relationship and one of the things that I sort of admired and, and, and it stayed in my head from Sunday was that the fact that you said um, you're still engaging with your son in this yeah. conversation you're still uh, even, though, even though it's a sore spot uh, spot for you it seems like you, you kind of you muster that character I don't know maybe if you could call it courage or it's just part of what you do like can you just talk a little bit into that mm. that you know the need to with the I don't know the temptation to withdraw versus so I suspect that often it can come from two places um, and and again you know this is my suspicion I can't say I've got any deep insight into any of this <laughs> But I think, one, it can come from a place of, you know, when guys have a strong emotional reaction, we don't know what to do with that always. Yeah. So we'll withdraw, we'll attack, mm. we'll do something like that. It's yeah. almost related, I guess, to the fight or flight response, you know. Yeah. Um, you've hurt me. I don't know how to do this. You know, guys can be, you know, I mean, typically women are better communicators. Mm. They're in touch with their feelings. They can express it. Guys, guys are more doers. I mean, I guess I've got the personality that is a bit more of a word person, so I can process that sort of thing, but not everyone can. So I think there can be that tendency. We don't know what else to do with it, so we just withdraw. Um, the other, I guess, tendency can be a sort of, uh, again, personality thing, but if we're a bit more of a rigid sort of black and white person and, you know, someone's not fitting into the right, you know, mm, shade of black or white there, yeah. which is, well, you're wrong, yeah. you yeah. know. Um, and that's where I think grace is really needed, you know, that we see in Jesus. Mm. Um, you know, some people will say that's compromise. Well, I don't think it's compromise at all. Um, you know, it's just um, uh, me. Well, one, I love my, my son, yeah. you know, so I like spending time with him. So there's just that. And I don't, I, I just, I, I would see no reason. I don't know why I'd walk away from, you know, from him. Um, with you know, with family. Um, yeah. But you know, whatever the relationship there is, unless it's becoming destructive, I think um, you know we. It's it, you. I think you always want to leave the door open because um, how are they going to come back through it if you right. if you've closed the door on them? You know, yeah. um, and so this is what we see Jesus doing. I mean, Jesus never compromises on what's right and wrong but he mm. always treats people with grace and love yeah. and you know I think you know just as a human too as, a, as a, I look and think well ultimately it's God's it's God's place to judge it's that's not my right. place to judge yeah, you know right. so I want to err on the side of grace and and try to love people and um, and let God work you know yeah. a day of judgment will come today is not that day yeah. you know um, yeah and and point them towards Jesus, you know. Yeah. Um, try and be attractive in with grace, you know. Mm. Um, I I just don't see anything attractive about fundamentalism or um, mm. you know that that black and white. 
yeah, I mean, I think our society's gone too far away from, you know, everything's very uh, sort of relativistic, so no right or wrong. So I'm not, not saying that, you know, very clearly right and wrong, but we don't have to compromise on what we believe. We don't have to compromise on, um, you know, how we act and, and that sort of thing, but it mm. doesn't mean we... That's can't right. act with grace towards others who do yeah and acting without grace sometimes does put us in a place where we're actually not acting out of what we believe because absolutely it's not yeah. love to withdraw relationship no. it's yeah. not yeah. yeah wow um, Jesus pursued us while we were still his enemies you know so he did that, but, that's but, where it all what does love your enemies mean <laughs> if it you know if it doesn't mean that so yeah, yeah. oh man yeah, thanks for answering that. That was uh, good, insightful. Um, to the mums and women who look after young people with absent fathers, um, I know it can, it can be really tough for mm. them. And, uh, you know, just the odds of, the odds that increase for a young, young child, whether they're male or female, just with the presence of a dad yep. are incredible but to those single moms um, yeah so um, look good good parenting whether it's single or you know with both biological parents good parenting is better than no parenting or bad parenting always you know so it's going to lead to a better uh, better outcome Mm. Uh, for the kids so you know um, certainly persevere and I'd say just as a practical thing try and get men you know in into whether it's uncles or grandparents or friends mm. you know uh, particularly in the church um, get get your kids into a place where they have men around them who can model obviously men you trust yeah, yeah. but um you know, men who can model that and speak into their life and affirm them, you know, particularly for boys as, as men and, and yeah. so on. Mm. Um, you know, I think uh, young men need that. Young men need that anyway, I think even with fathers, because, you know, one of the things we do is we start to remove ourselves, we start to try and find ourselves, in, we've got to move away from home eventually, and yeah. so we need other people around us anyway. Um, mm. So that's, a, that's a, something for all, all parents to look at, not just single parents. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think that's a, a role the church certainly needs to look at yeah. um, how yeah. we can support them. And I suppose that's part of broadening the conversation is for mm. men in the church to start looking out um, and yeah and, and stepping up, like you said before, yeah. taking responsibility of us becoming men because we're if they if they are our role models outside of church. Yeah. Um, and no, no good ones in the church, um, then they don't really have... Yeah, absolutely, you know, and so... Um, and it's not just being nice men. Like, you know, we want to be polite and mm. decent, but, you know, being strong men, okay. you know. Um, so I'm not the warrior type, you know. I've never enjoyed sport. I don't... So, I mean, but, you know, some guys will have a more assertiveness, aggression, something like that. Okay. You know, and, and so it's not just being polite, you know, you need more than your art. And because the church tends to attract particularly artists and 
academics because we've yep. got very clear roles, you know, music and teaching, yep. two, two of our strong things. So yep. what happens with the doers, the guys who are more practical or more, you know, um, mm. sporting or whatever, where does that's that, right. you know, right. so how that's do we, how do we accommodate that and give, you know, young men that, that role model that within a Christian yeah. um, context as well. Mm. So um, I think I think that's uh, an issue, um, and it's where we need community. I yeah. mean, you know, we need all all these different stereotypes playing together, mm. so that it is in stereo, not just you know, absolutely uh, mono stereo. Uh, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I'm saying words. Surround sound. <laughs> <Yeah>. Sick dad. <laughs> um. <laughs> um. Oh, um, yeah, here's another one too. The growing men, like myself, who aren't fathers yet, um, or fathers who can or have adopted sons in the faith, mm-hmm. why is it so important to stress modeling godly masculinity in the church today? Why is it so important? Um, I think. One, because that is who we are as humans. Yeah. I don't think we're complete unless we've got both masculine and feminine. Um, and like I say, I think the, the you know, um, masculine is getting drowned out, cast adrift. I mean, we've got a real, I think, I, I think identity crisis. Um, and, you know, guys, if, if you... You can tend to lash out, like I said before. I mean, you, you, yeah, you lash out once we don't know how to express things. Um, so, and I think it's just as society, who God's made us is to be male and female. So to have a healthy community, I think we be, need both expressed. Yeah. Um, we need the strength of masculinity um, to be expressed and to protect uh, the community. Yeah. Um, I, you know, I've always said I, um, I believe women can lead in mm. the church. I believe mm. men must lead in the mm. church because yeah. we bring something um, to yeah. that uh, that God seems to have put in masculinity, maleness mm. to uh, to contribute to the community in that way. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so, you know, and certainly, yeah. I mean, my message on Sunday was to fathers, but certainly, it's not just about dads it's about you know um mm-hmm. i've got a friend who's a little older than me who single or felt called to singleness mm. you know um and it's really interesting he's a teacher and to see his attitude and his love for his students come through that so he you know he acts he's a spiritual father yeah um in those situations so you don't have to be married to be nope. a dad you don't have to be married to be a dad. No, okay. it's attitude. Just yeah. putting that out there. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah. You don't have to have kids to be a dad, like your own biological kids. Yeah. Because you know? yeah. um, sometimes as well, that can also only be streamlined into this is how it's meant to be. But absolutely, yeah. We can have a bit of a cult of the um, nuclear family. You yeah. Know? So we read which about the family. Yeah, that's right. Which we read about family in the Bible and we think, you know, mum, dad and the three kids or whatever and actually biblically family, well, it was a household is how they thought. Yeah. Um, and, you know, they, different depending on the culture, lived in extended families. You had slaves, you had, you know, 
So the household was actually a much bigger concept than than just that. Mm. Um, and so we're isolating ourselves from a whole bunch of resources when yeah. we, we think like that. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, that's true. And, and, and the church seems to be sort of the only type of community that has transcended this um, progressive isolation. Um, I noticed right. one of the first things that I noticed when I came to Australia was that everybody had a fence. Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Around their house. Yeah. And I thought, well, how do you talk to your neighbor? Yeah. Well, that's um, the whole point. We don't. <laughs> um, it was just really weird. Uh, I noticed that. And especially at the front, some, some people had gates yeah. to keep people out. Yeah. And I thought, yeah. how am I ever going to get to know you? Yeah. But luckily I had, um, uh, luckily I had my next door neighbor. They crossed over the line. Uh, came and said hello and welcomed yeah. us, but um, yeah, it's it's just that idea of the church transcending the the isolation, especially in today's world where the, the social isolation is growing. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Yeah, I think the church has a real unique gift in that. Mm. I mean, well, where else? I don't. I can't think of anywhere else really where you have that intergeneration, intercultural yeah. sort of mix and. Um, mm. Absolutely. Yeah. It's yeah, great. It's yeah, great. It's unique. And um, it, and, and it's exactly the family that Jesus was talking yeah. about because he, he, he says this to when he gets asked by his mother and brothers to, to come outside from, from a yeah. place where he was teaching and he makes it clear that his brother and his mother and his sister are those who obey the will of... Yeah, that's right. A will yeah. of the, the will of the Father. Um yeah, so I agree with you, church community, very important. Um, but I, I think we'll start to draw it to a close. Um, and I want to ask, I don't know, a couple more questions. If we had uh, young men lining up to be mentored or trained to become men, what are three important things, highly stressed uh, things that you could, you could tell them journeying these things Perhaps a lot to do with uh, the character. Um, you know, what are three things that they must journey in order to, I don't know, maybe set themselves up to being responsible, uh, godly, yeah. loving, well-rounded <laughs> men in their communities. Yeah, okay. Phew, this is above my pay grade, man. Um, <laughs> I know I'm constricting you a bit as well. I'm thinking, so the first thing that comes to mind again is be in relationship with other men, um, older men, or, you know, find find mentors. You know, so if you want to be mentored, find mentors. Find Mm. someone um, you respect and, you know, see those qualities in that you want to emulate. And, and this is where I think, you know, the church has an opportunity also to, you know, uh, set something up almost. Yeah. are there older men who are willing to walk with younger men? And it's you don't have to have it all together. Because actually, yeah. out of your mistakes, I mean, how many of us wish we could do it over? <laughs> and, you know, want to pass on, hey, don't do not do what I did. You know, yeah. well, mentoring can partly do that. You know, mm. you're not telling someone how to live. You're just having a conversation with them about, you know, this is what did or didn't work for me. Yeah. Um, you know, see when they're going. So you've, you just build that relationship, I think, 
Um, mm. uh, I would say um, you know you've you've got to you've got to prioritize your relationship with the Lord. Yeah. I mean, um, it, that probably goes without saying, but um, yeah, you know, and it's it's got to be real and living and dynamic. You know, so mm. pursuing the spirit filled life, otherwise it's just religion and that's toxic. Yeah, um, and. Um, oh, third thing, flit it in and then flit it out of my mind. Oh, I think, yeah, it's <laughs> it's really be culturally aware. Um, and just see, and look, it's probably happened in every generation, but just seem to hear young people really questioning what older people consider some fairly and and how always happening some fairly fundamental biblical values. Okay. You know. Can you um, so sex is one of them. Yeah. You know. Um, we've had the debate about homosexuality in the Bible. So, you know, just that whole sexuality thing, but then chastity and so on. It's like this mm. is real questioning um, over that. And and so this comes down to worldview and that yeah. and it takes some thoughtfulness to I mean you you've got to think, you know, and you've got to be aware and you've got to you know, you don't just have to read. It used to be you had to go to read books. Now we've got podcasts, we've got video, and, you know, tuning into the right ones. Yeah. Educate yourself. Yeah. Um, and, um, and understand the conflict between worldviews. And, you know, if you're going to be a godly man, you've got to... The emphasis is on godly. You've yeah. got to have your focus on God. And we've got to have a Christian and just commit to a Christian worldview. Mm. You know, it's that worldviews and culture isn't monolithic. I mean, you know, very broadly, there's Christian and non-Christian. Mm. But even within the non-Christian, there's multiple, you know, worldviews and arguments yeah. and that sort of thing. Yeah. So they're arguing amongst themselves as well. And um, so it is, you know, you, this is part of the strength of just saying, no, this is who I am, understanding your identity in Christ mm, yeah. um, and, and not just buying into the, the dominant worldview, not just... So I think, um, and it really is, it's, it's part of our culture that we're losing the ability to think critically. It's not valued. Yeah. Um, and, you know, hearing it more and more uh, out of... You know, America, I don't know, it might be in Australia too, even at the university level where critical thinking is not valued. Wow. Um, postmodern uh, ways of thinking and, you know, it's very if, if touchy-feely and it's like truth is truth, you know. Yeah. Um, it, so, you know, we, we just need to reconnect with critical thinking, which has actually been a strong part of the Christian tradition. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, we, we have this idea sometimes that faith and belief is sort of separate from, you know, uh, well, like, you know, the, the separation between science and faith, and faith so to yeah. speak. But actually, yeah. faith has got a very strong tradition of critical thinking. Science grew up out of faith. You know, mm -hmm. it's no, yeah. I don't believe it's any accident that science has grown up in no. Western Christian yeah. civilization rather than Roman or Chinese or, you know, the ancient Greek or whatever, yeah. where they were polytheists um, yeah, right. and um, and so we can think critically about mm. these things and we need to rather than just going with the cultural flow which Absolutely. is really getting dumbed down and you know mm. uh, don't get me started on that topic <laughs> so I yeah find find mentors ground yourself in God be aware of um, you know the, the cultural worldview issues mm. I, th I think and I just see that as that last one um, 
because there is a blindness there and I think we're, we're not going to really have a grasp on the forces at work yeah. um, and so we're not going to be able to step forward as men and you know really be able to articulate the why you know so for many generations it's been this is what the bible says that's it Mm, end of story and now we've moved away from that in our society and now we have to be able to articulate why Why? and some of that sometimes is just cultural and sometimes it is just because you know god says but god usually says for a reason for a reason you know and and it's absorbing those sorts of values you know holiness and you know uh, all that great that's awesome thanks for that um there's quite a lot in that and well you know the finishing thought there um like to a to a degree i sense that there is a certain a certain point to which you you remove yourself from the influence of the world and then you intentionally intentionally make sure that you're being influenced by godly godly things and i think there's a word in there for older men maybe in our community yeah. or in communities to to make sure that they're giving what they've received through years of experience to young men and putting up their hand to yeah. be mentors uh but also being aware enough in order to communicate that well so i mean i i don't know you don't you don't have to be as articulate or as no. intellectually yeah, no. um you know this or that but uh, David, in in his day, he understood what needed to be done in order for him to yeah. uh, to be seen as a godly man and to be living as a godly yeah. man. One of the yeah. things that um, strikes me quite often about him is before he went to war, he would always inquire of the Lord. Yeah, he would always inquire of the Lord and ask. Um, and so even even in that, I mean, there would have been young men coming up to, because he would have been the cool guy of his time, right, coming yeah, up to yeah. him and say, how do we do this? How do we yeah. do this? But to see it exemplified would have been yeah. one of those things yeah. where um, war was pretty much the cultural sort of thing for men to do. Yeah. But to see it done well uh, and successfully and, and that sustaining David for the rest of his life would have been something model so that wasn't an intellectual mm. thing it was a practical thing yeah. so you know if there are men out there who that might help that that would be good and um and just even speaking into the the things that are happening now um do you have any finishing thoughts one of the things that i had in the back of my mind when i was talking about um you know, the, the having a conversation was also just some of the reading I've done, you know, uh, yeah. done reading that I haven't been able to put in, into effect is what can we do as men to um, almost ritualize some of this? In okay. a Pentecostal tradition, which we're in, um, you know, it's very much go with the spirit sort of thing. And we we really downplay ritual. Yeah. So you see it even in the way we do communion and that sort of thing. We've mm. we've been having a conversation in our church about just actually highlighting that a little bit more because it can, you know, it's 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 something we think's important because Jesus said it. But you know, you go to you know a more liturgical setting, of course, and it's a ritual is everything. Yeah, we don't want to go there either. But I think you know what um people are realizing is ritual is actually important um for us and you know our society we don't have important rituals like particularly coming of age rituals you know not yeah yeah yeah. um but um you know what does manhood mean and masculinity mean and how do we disciple people into that you know young men into that what are what are some 
structured ways perhaps that we can do that without going overboard with that but you know just being deliberate and that sort of thing and and having men come around that conversation then putting hopefully wheels on things Mm. because you know we're not all um i can do some of the thinking stuff thing but put a hammer in my hand and you know get out of my way because i'm going to do more damage (laughs) than good you know um and and so you know that's that's where we we do need each other to be raising our our boys into to men yeah um so that they have you know that again it it comes to that identity of this is what manhood is about they can Mm. be confident yeah strong confident men you know um who who step up so Mm. yeah Yeah, great that's really good thought as well yeah, what's a ritual? How how does a boy know that he's crossed over mm. into manhood? Um, what does he need to know? Yeah. What does he need? What will he face? Yeah. And who will he go to to face that? Yeah. Um, yeah, that's right. Because I think part of the conversation that goes today is that uh, too many young men become, you know, become these responsible adults with with with, with uh, mortgages and loans and yeah. wives and children before they go through that transitional phase yeah. of learning what to fight for learning yeah. where to um, and i'm quoting a book where to lend their strength what learning what they're strong in yeah. and where to apply that before they add someone else to that journey um uh, and another companion to that journey and so um yeah i really agree with you on that and um I suppose one of the people that um, I thought of when even thinking about this kind of ritual was uh, was Glenn. He's he's actually been thinking about this quite a lot. So okay, um, interesting. Yeah. And so he actually did something interesting with his uh, with his boys, which I might uh, I might get him to talk to talk uh, about a little bit. Um, but it's 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 one of those things I think even in 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 our society does need to be talked about. Yeah especially in church um, just to sort of understand and to even have you know I'm thinking a celebration yeah for the journey um, you know having a meal or a dinner and and prayer and I don't know some kind of thing to sort of symbolise hey you've now part you're your own person yeah Uh, you've been proven tested yeah kind of thing yeah Um, yeah. yeah But, um, yeah, I'm looking forward to those conversations. I'm looking yeah. forward to more conversations with you. I think we're going to be um, talking a little bit more of it on other things. So, thank you, Alex, for your time. Right. Appreciate it.